You're listening to the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict. As we've gone through the third chapter of the Mishnah of Megillah, we've noticed that the Mishnah flick backwards and forwards um, reading the Megillah itself to questions about running a shul more generally, and particularly questions of Torah reading. And as we go into the fourth chapter, we're going to find exactly the same pattern. So the fourth chapter begins, The person that reads the Megillah can either stand or sit. And then goes on to explain, Whether one person read it or whether two people read it feels as if in the time of the mishnah you could have two people sort of reading out together and and it's okay everyone's fulfilled their obligations in places where it's the custom to say a blessing the gemara explains here we're talking about the blessing after the megillah reading not before every the, the the blessing the blessings before there are three blessings before there's the mitzvah over the Megillah reading there's Alhenisim and there's Shechianu and these are obligatory nobody argues with these but the blessing after it Haravet Rivenu which we say by the way in every diaspora community now was a matter of custom so the Mishnah concludes where it's not the custom to say it they don't say the blessing. And with these brief remarks on Megillah reading, the Mishnah then turns to Torah reading. On Mondays and Thursdays and on Shabbat and Mincha, three read. So we, we are just visiting the Megillah reading. We're going to get back to Torah reading. And it's very interesting that with regard to the very first comment of the Mishnah on the Megillah, remember the Mishnah begins by saying, Someone who reads the Megillah can either stand or sit. And the Gemara immediately comes back. The first comment that the Gemara makes is, That's not the case with regard to reading the Torah. As if the Gemara already has in mind the fact that we're using the Megillah reading as a kind of a hook here, but we're really focused on Torah reading. So we're teaching that on Mondays and Thursdays and on Shabbat at Mincha 3 read, no fewer. Interesting that Torah reading somehow is a public endeavor. We can't have fewer than three readers. In fact, our tradition today where there's a Baal Kore, there's a a kind of a community reader who reads for everybody is very odd. The Mishnah does not know about a about a community reader. For the Mishnah, three individuals from the Kahila come up and three people read. And that is a minimum. Ain pochatin. You can't have fewer than that. But people have to go to work. So we can't add to those either. We don't have a haftarah from the prophets. For the same reason, people need to get to work. The person that begins the Torah reading, it's the first of the three, 
Batorah, the last of the three, the ones who begin and the ones who conclude it. Make a blessing before it and after it. So again, it seems as if in the time, it seems as if in the time of the Torah reading that we didn't used to, we only said two blessings. We said one at the beginning and one at the end. And again, we some of us find this very unusual today because today every Torah reader makes a blessing when he begins and when he finishes. So on Shabbat, say, where we call up seven, we're going to make these blessings seven times. But it seems that in the time of the Mishnah, they only made the blessings once. Once at the beginning of the first reading and once at the end of the seventh reading. And the Gemara actually explains in a way that's, again, very familiar to us. Who, If anyone's been involved with the synagogue, the Gemara gives an explanation which is very, very familiar. The Gemara says, well, OK, you might just require one blessing at the beginning and one at the end. But what if someone walked in late or what if someone left early? If someone came in late, they might miss the blessing and they, may, they might think that it's possible to read from the Torah without a blessing. And that somehow is, is quite appalling in the minds of the rabbis. It, for the rabbis, this is not a ritual. If this is a, a holy act, you, we cannot read from the Torah without a blessing. And someone who comes in late shouldn't think that it's possible to read from the Torah without a blessing. And along the same line, someone who leaves early shouldn't think that it's possible to read from the Torah yeah, without yeah. Yeah, I a blessing. To tell you so they, you they will, um, we make a, now we make a blessing at the beginning, at the end of every single Torah reading. What about when, what about, moving beyond Mondays and Thursdays. On Rosh Chodesh and on the intermediate days of festivals, four people read. A little bit more holy. We go up in holiness. We don't drop back. But people still have to go to work. We don't have fewer and we don't have more. And we don't conclude with a haftarah from the prophets. And for some, and the Mishnah seems to emphasize again the first reader and the last reader blesses before and after. And of course, today we add these extra blessings. It doesn't seem to occur to the rabbis that some would actually walk out in the middle of the Torah reading. Maybe that's an unthinkable, an unthinkable thing to do. This is the principle. This is the general rule. Any day which has a musaf and is not a festival. So that's really intermediate days of Sukkot, for example, and Rosh Chodesh. On any day with musaf and is not a festival, is not a Yom Tov, Korin Arba'ah. We four read. And then gradually we go up. On a festival five, on Yom Kippur six, on Shabbat seven. So we can see this is still a communal obligation and it encompasses more and more of the community as the day becomes holier. And on these holidays, we don't have fewer than those. 
It's still a community obligation. But we can add to them. And we have a maftir, we have a haftarah from the prophets. And again, this idea that we say brachot before and after the Torah reading must be incredibly important to the rabbis because they articulate it three times in this chapter of Mishnah. And by the way, on Shabbat, we're going to multiply the, the minimum number of blessings by seven. And, you know, we're generally very careful not to utter a blessing that is not required. So, so it is interesting that the rabbis will multiply by seven the number of blessings that are minimally required just in order to take care of people who arrive late or who leave early. It's a very interesting comment, first of all, on the reality of life in the synagogue in the time of the Talmud, but also on how seriously the rabbis took the idea that when we read from Torah, we say a bracha. What about other public acts? Ein porsin et shema. We don't pores the shema. This seems to be something to do with reciting the blessings publicly before it and after it. Or maybe it's the blessing of Baruch Hu. We're not, we're not quite clear what this is. We don't pores the shema. But we'll get the idea as we read these other examples. The Ein ovrin lifneatava. And we don't go before the ark. That means that we don't have the prayer leader repeat the amida. And they don't lift up their hands. This is the priests blessing the people. And we don't read from the Torah. This is our, our Mishnah, of course. We don't have a Haftarah from the prophets. We don't make... Moshav is standing up and sitting down. We don't make these stops on the funeral procession to make a hesped for the dead person. We don't say the blessing for mourners, and the comforts for the mourners, and the blessing of bridegrooms. These are the Sheva Brachot. I think they are the seven Brachot. We don't introduce Birkat Amazon with God's name. Um, with fewer than 10. We need 10 to do these things. And um, and if we're redeeming land, we can deal with nine and a Kohen. This is redeeming land from a Kohen. So the Kohen is effectively, um, the Kohen is a, is a, is an, is a, is a actor in the transaction. But it seems like he can also be part of the Minyan because it's nine and a Kohen. In other words, you need the Kohen who's acting in the transaction for redeeming land can be one of the ten. And similarly, if you're redeeming a human. And the um, the Ramban mentions here, this is in his commentary, Selfa Mirchamot Hashem. There's a commentary on the riff, actually. So it's a slightly obscure, but it's an important, it, it, it's quite an important point. He says, um, everything that's mentioned in this Mishnah, these are all obligations that devolve on the public. They're public obligations. They only apply to people who are obligated. In other words, a private person, let's say you're really in hospital. 
And you don't have a minyan. You don't have an obligation to get your friends to create a minyan so that you can hear the Torah reading. The community has an obligation to provide a Torah reading. So uh, if there's a community, they need to put on a Torah reading in shul. There's a communal obligation to do that. But there isn't a private obligation. Same with Birkat Amazon. You're not obligated to find nine people to, to bench with you. If you have them, that's great. But you're not obligated to find nine people to bench with you if you're alone. And that's different from the Megillah. The Ramban continues, Aval ba Megillah, Kashem chayav, kach kol yachid ve'yachid chayav. The Megillah is obligatory for every single individual as well as for the community. The community needs to put on a Megillah reading, but every single individual is obligated. And that's very different. So if you're in hospital, you need to, well, yeah, you need to find some, that's why we, people walk around hospitals with a Megillah, because each and every person is obligated. Now, what is there about 10? What is there about 10? And the Rambam says in his commentary on the Mishnah, Amar Hashem, that God said, that is to say, we read in the Torah, Yisrael. It's a quote from the beginning of the parsha of Emor. Actually, we read this quotation on um, the first day of Sukkot. And the second day of Sukkot, too, in diaspora. I will be sanctified in the midst of the people of Israel. It comes through the tradition that any matter related to holiness shouldn't occur with fewer than 10. Somehow, means 10 people. The Gemara actually learns this from, uses the word to learn in a rather convoluted way from the 10 spies who gave bad reports about the people of Israel and from the congregation of Korach, who rebelled against Moshe. Very interesting. The Gemara should derive the 10 men, the Minyan, or the 10 people, actually. The Mishnah does not say men and the Rambam does not say men. The idea that a Minyan is male, it comes much later in the tradition. The Mishnah just says 10 but it derives them from the least likely individuals you might think of, from the congregation of Korah who rebelled and from the 10 spies who gave bad reports about the people of Israel, as if to say, we need 10, but these 10 don't have to be Sadiqim. They don't have to be saints. Any 10 people from the Jewish community can create a community. Even the, even the most unlikely characters, when they come together, they create a holy community in which God says, I will be sanctified among the people of Israel, whoever they are. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict.